politics, finances, climate change. Ah, sometimes it gets to be a bit too much. At Indo-American News Unplugged, we bring voice to your feelings. Call in to talk, share or disagree with Sanjali and Jawahar. And listen to Jyoti playing songs based on Indian classical music with Pramod and Sudhir. So call Indo-American News Unplugged. Kick back and listen up, folks. It'll make you feel better. Every Saturday, listen to Masala Radio, 3 to 6 p.m. Indo-American News. Hello, everyone. And you still are listening to me because Jawahar is running late. (laughs) (laughs) So now you're on the Indo-American News radio show. And Jyoti (laughs) is talking to you. (laughs) All right. And working the board and... uh, (laughs) You know, that's what happens line. when you take three weeks off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. not fair. I work hard. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, Jyoti. <laughs> we missed y'all, Prabodh and Jyoti. So oh. welcome back. Welcome yeah, back. We missed being here. Yeah. But they're bearers of gifts, things to make us even fatter anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, We had a great trip. Uh, we went for a wedding in Bali. Then we took a vacation went to Vietnam, uh, Hanoi in particular, and followed by uh, Siem Reap, which is close to Angkor Wat. Oh, in Cambodia. All right. And then uh, we went to Singapore and stayed there for six days with Jyoti's nephew and his uh, family. So all in all, it was three weeks so and a wonderful so Singapore was very much in the news because their premier now is of like Indian yeah. descent. Uh, no, the premier is uh, of Chinese descent, but it's the president. President, okay, yeah. okay. Who is, the, I get confused. who is the head of the state, ah. but um, the executive is the prime, prime minister. minister. It's filmed on Shami Kapoor and the Indonesian lady. Yeah, because uh, in those days, I guess it was, you know, very popular. To yeah, very it's special. still popular. I yeah, mean, yeah, of course. India, I mean, people just go half to of Singapore. India is in yeah. Singapore. <laughs> it's days. very interesting, though. I think uh, I was I really got a lot more in this trip uh, about the mix of races uh, uh-huh. and what all is happening there and how they... It's, it's very interesting to go there. Yeah, it's, it's a really true melting pot right. of people of Indian descent. Uh, who had come uh, thousands of years. Uh, but it's like the Middle East. Rather. I think they don't allow you to become citizens, right? Mm. No, no. Uh, these are natives now. They're fifth and sixth generation. So they are Singapore citizens yeah. because so they were like, born there. But uh, if you immigrate, then... Yeah, yeah. Then it's... Uh, difficult. Y- you're what they call a permanent resident. You have you to be marry a Singapore or something. Right, right, right. But there is a something like if but it's a I woman, they cannot... Uh, I mean, you know, if the man is a Singapore citizen, then it's allowed. But if the... Woman the is guy a, is a Singapore, then if the woman marries into him, not like okay, Well, hello, 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 everyone out there. We have news. Jawahar is in the studio. <laughs> I am in the studio. <laughs> so we are back to our thank program you, of Indo-American news. And thank you, Jyoti, for, you know, thank staying you. with yeah, us. And yeah, so opening I w- I, the show. 
I've only been late once. Uh, the first the very day. First time. <laughs> we'll never forget that Jawahar. <laughs> the very first program. That's the way <laughs> it should be, Sunil right? Thakkar had to bail us out because we were so new to the whole process. Yeah. We had no clue what we were doing. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's one way to get Sunil to come to the program. <laughs> and now we have these batik wearing two adventurers. That's right. Yes. Actually, we are not buying anything um, uh, on this trip because we are trying to get rid of stuff. I know. So yeah. this was what I had bought in Bali 11 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it took you 11 years to get used to. <laughs> and that's, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and, uh, but otherwise, your trip, I understand, it was very nice. Yeah, wonderful. And we saw how, you know, uh, our forefathers uh, from South India... Five fathers, too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, they immigrated or uh, they were traders. Mm -hmm. And they came to Java and also uh, Malaysia. Sumatra. Uh, uh, Singapore. And they settled there. And I think be long before the British, we were the original mm -hmm. uh, uh, people who colonized those areas. The Chola Kingdom. And then became imperial. Right, And right. then there are, um, at Angkor Wat, those temples were built by uh, Hindu origin um, uh, kings. Correct. Like Rajendra Varman, mm -hmm. Surya Varman, and so forth. They were natives of uh, Cambodia, oh. but uh, uh, the origin was Indian. Mm. Yeah. And, and they were devotees of either Vishnu or uh, Shiva. Right. I, and I, is this the airport where they have the Samudra Mantan? No. Yes, yes. They had yes, yes, yes. But the with each king, each yeah. emperor, the, the religion changed. So sometimes they were Buddhist, sometimes they were Hindu. And the Buddhists uh, came in, I think, about 900. So is that the majority of the people they yeah, practice? Yeah, now ca in Cambodia, the majority are Buddhists. Okay. Right. And uh, yeah, I remember the trip when I went there many, many years ago. It was very, very nice. Well, good to have you back. Yes, and good so to be back. Uh, and surely you have uh, many, many other good stories to tell us, and eventually yes. you'll put it in the paper somewhere along That's the way. That's right. Yeah, we'll do a travelogue. See? That'd be wonderful. Folks, yeah. you have to pick up a copy of Indo-American News next week and the week after, and the week after, because Pramod's going right. to be doing travelogues. It, it may not be so immediate, but it will be there. <laughs> no, but they have to pick it up anyway, because right. we have all the good news. We have the good news, right. Yeah. This week, we have a center spread on the ICC's Independence Day program. It was just a fantastic center spread, even if I say so myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we have a, a, a nice article on Bap's uh, Akshadam, which is opening up in a couple of weeks, two or three weeks, maybe four weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're invited, by the way, in case we want to go. Oh, okay, sure. So, and to cover the event as media that goes. And uh, then we'll have uh, Sanchali. Are you ready for the lineup? While I ramble on? <laughs> sure, I'm ready. Okay, folks, so as you know, we are back with another edition of Indo-American News. And you heard Jyoti on Classically Yours with Jyoti after a break. Uh, and she played songs uh, based on Raag Kirwani and also paid homage to one of our uh, great classical singers who passed away. So now we are doing our main program, which is uh, the main Indo-American news program. And today is September 9th. 
and uh, you are listening to us either on 98.7 FM or on the Masala Radio app. By Monday, you can hear the recorded show on podcast, which is uploaded on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public and Breaker. We have four years of podcasts and have had over 7,500 hits. That's wonderful. The number keeps increasing, Jawahar. I know. I keep, I keep bumping you it keep, up. Uh, I, I bribe a few more people. All right. All right. <laughs> so please do support our show. To receive new podcasts, select follow on our Spotify. And please do give us a five-star rating. That will get us higher ad clicks. Animal protection and control and making sure there are facilities for their care like the bark parks, as well as encouraging pet adoptions, is a big task in a city as large as Houston. Taking care of strays, promoting neutering drives, and getting donations for those pets which are sheltered amounts to a huge effort by the Houston Animal Shelter and Adoption Center. We will talk with Corey Stottlemyer, who's a deputy shelter director at the Bureau of Animal Regulation and Care, which is also known as BARC, and um, uh, Animal Shelter and Adoption Center and Director of Communications for Administration and Regulatory Affairs. Wow. Okay. So he will be explaining the magnitude of animal control in the Bayou City at 420. And, uh, you know, continuing on the same topic, we turn to animal lover who single-handedly has taken in stray dogs, often nurturing them to health and placing them in caring homes, Ramesh Anand has become known among Desis for his dedication to caring for strays and Tyson's pals rescue that he created for this effort. He has been on our show before, and we are delighted that he'll be joining us again at 4.50 p.m. to tell us of his ongoing lone man efforts in Sugarland. You are never too young to love and care for animals. And Yuvan Agarwal, a fifth grader in Houston, exemplifies that with his advocacy and music therapy for animals. Each week, UV goes to local shelters in Houston, Houston Pets Alive, and Citizens for Animal Protection to play the keyboard for the animals in their, ca- in their care. He recently launched Wild Tunes, music therapy for animals. He's been featured in local and national media, including Good Morning America and USA Today for his innovative program. He will be joining us with his mom, Priyanka, at 5.10 p.m. to explain how this uh, animal therapy work, uh, music therapy works on animals. The Jaipur Literature Festival will return to Houston next weekend, September 15th through 17th, at uh, five venues across the city and will feature many writers like Houstonian Chitra Devakaruni, Parini Shroff, Salil Tripathi, Priyamvada Natarajan and filmmaker Meera Nair and panel discussions. One of those featured is journalist and writer Anjan Sundaram who will be calling in from Mexico City at 5.30pm to talk about his work as well as about the significance of the festival. To be featured on our show, or to advertise, please contact us at 713-789-6397 or at indoamericannews at yahoo.com. Please pick up the print edition of Indo-American News, which we talked about earlier. It's available all across town at grocery stores. Also, visit our website, indoamerican-news.com, which gets 70,000 plus hits to track all current stories. 
and please do remember to visit our digital archives from over 15 years. Plus, our entire 42 years of hard copy archives are available in the Fondren Library at Rice University. And here's Pramod with the welcoming <laughs> <laughs> Good edition of uh, the news. Certainly. Uh, live from Indo-American News Radio, this is Pramod Kulkarni with the latest news from Houston, the United States, India, and around the world. At the top of the news this afternoon are natural calamities that have having a disastrous impact on our planet. The death toll has surpassed 1,000 from Morocco's powerful earthquake last night at 11 p.m. The quake, which reached 6.8 on the Richter scale and was centered in the high Atlas mountain range about 75 miles from Marrakesh. The local residents and tourists posted videos on social media showing some buildings reduced to rubble, parts of the famous red walls that surround the old city in Marrakesh are also damaged. World leaders have expressed sympathy and readiness to help the injured and the homeless. Devastation is also in waiting along the path of Hurricane Lee, now approaching the Leeward Islands in the Atlantic, already reaching a Category 5 in strength, Lee is expected to pass east of Puerto Rico and then curve north and hopefully miss the U.S. East Coast. But there are no guarantees. Meanwhile, many of the world's head of state are meeting at the G20 conference in New Delhi. Russian President Vladimir Putin and China's Xi Jinping are missing but among the dignitaries include U.S. President Joe Biden and U.K. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. The G20 agreed to open permanent membership to a representative of the African Union. In addition, President Biden has announced ambitious plans to build a rail and shipping corridor linking India with the Middle East and Europe. The project is designed to rival China's massive Belt and Road Initiative. Here in the United States, several developments have taken place involving former President Donald Trump and his cronies. According to Rudy Giuliani, Trump has become really, really upset upon learning that his former White House advisor, Peter Navarro, has been convicted uh, in contempt of Congress for his failure to testify in front of the Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. In addition, a federal judge in Florida on Friday denied former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows' bid to move his Fulton County election interference case to federal court, where he could possibly have an executive privilege defense. In other news, COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations are rising across the United States. The latest victim of the infectious disease is First Lady Jill Biden. The FDA is expected to greenlight updated boosters targeting the currently circulating COVID subvariants. These boosters should be available in mid to late September. Those who test positive for COVID are expected to wear a mask for 11 days when indoors and around others at home or in public. In sports, India and Pakistan will play their second match of the Asia Cup tomorrow at 4.30 a.m. Houston time. The first match last week ended in a draw 
due to incessant rain. Uh, in today's match, Sri Lanka beat Bangladesh by 21 runs. In US Open tennis, the women's final match is underway between Coco Garf of the United States against Ariana uh, Sabalenka of Belarusia. Sabalenka has a one set lead, and then in the second set, uh, it's three to one uh, in favor of Goff. So it should be an interesting match if you can manage to watch it while also listening to a radio show. <laughs> in the men's finals, it will be Serbian Novak Djokovic against the Russian Daniel Medvedev tomorrow at 3 p.m. On Friday, Djokovic defeated 20-year-old upstart Ben Shelton and Medvedev edged top seed Carlos Alcaraz. If Djokovic wins, he will have 24 grand slams. Finally this afternoon, scientists are baffled by a mysterious golden blob deep underwater off the coast of Alaska. The bizarre object is 4 inches in diameter and has a tannish gold color. The object has been brought to the surface, but the scientists couldn't say what it was other than stating that it is biological in origin. Any guesses? That's all the news for this afternoon. More views, discussions, and music as we continue with the Indo-American News talk show. It may, it you may, have a guess? Uh, it looks like liquid gold. <laughs> it may be a Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, possible. <laughs> At the bottom of so, the ocean. I think um, they're going to bring it to the surface and take it to a lab, and hopefully they'll know what it is. I hope it's not a nuclear bomb of some sort. <laughs> and here we no. go. We go to, folks, we're going to go to a commercial break. We'll be right back. I think there's a commercial break. Well... Feel better every Saturday. Listen to Masala Radio, 3 to 6 p.m. Indo-American News. And that was all the station ID that we had. You are listening to Indo-American News, and we are going to have to talk to our little producer here about the, <laughs> all these breaks that we're supposed to be getting. Oh, God, I got it, God. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. We do have our first guest on the line already. And uh, Sanchali, would you like to give a little uh, introduction? Yes. Oh, welcome back, folks. So, yeah, we have the pleasure of being joined by Corey Sottlemeyer. Corey, oh, Stottlemyer, sorry, is a deputy shelter director at the Bark Houston Animal Shelter and Adoption Center, overseeing the outreach, customer service, and registration teams. He also serves as the director of communications for the department of which Bark is a division. Uh, administ oh, he's uh, the department. Uh, yeah, he's the director of communications and administration and regulatory affairs. That's Quite a mouthful. Okay. A newer team member at Bark, Corey has one foster failed dog in addition to two other dogs and a cat at home. He has previously served as the public information officer for the City of Houston's Municipal Courts Department and Office of Emergency Management. Uh, welcome to the show, Corey. I'm sorry I messed up a little on your introduction because you have so many different, uh, you know, regulatory roles that you are, you know, taking care of. And we I do. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for the, taking the time to come uh, on the show. I know that we, we talked about it several times, and we finally were able to narrow it down after a month's worth of trying, so I'm really appreciative of this. Um, no, thank you. 
Yeah, so tell us, uh, you know, when I first met you, Corey, down at the multi-service center on, uh, I think it's Gulfton, or Gulfton Road right there on the south side of Houston by Hillcroft and 59, we talked about all the things that that are required in order to take care of the pets and well, those that are not wanted as discarded animals, strays, let's say, and yeah. those and those the strays. What is the stray problem in Houston? Is it very massive? We do have quite a huge stray population here in Houston. A lot of cities like ours in the south, especially in Texas, we have basically uh, weather and a climate that allows for strays to kind of breed all year round. So a lot of cities up north, they have the harsh winter months that we don't have, so they don't have the same kind of stray mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. And we focus a lot of efforts on, you know, obviously we have our enforcement team that goes out in the community, pick up strays, but we also work as part of the Harris County Animal Cruelty Task Force. Mm-hmm. We try to focus on irresponsible pet ownership to try to tackle things at the source of mm-hmm. the stray issue. So how many square miles uh, are we talking about? Almost 700 square miles in, in the city of Houston, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We cover the whole city. And not the county? No. The county has its own agency, but we work closely with them. I mentioned that uh, kind of region-wide task force. So we do partner with them, the Humane Society, the SBCA, other groups who are part of that animal cruelty task force. So a lot of times when we respond to maybe either a hoarding situation or uh, something similar where there's a lot of animals all at once that have to be taken from the home, a lot of us will partner together to house those animals because it's usually we don't have one individual group won't have the kennel space to accommodate them. So we'll all partner together to kind of make sure so, those animals find uh, appropriate places to go. Just so that we have a good reference point, we're talking about the city of Houston, but you also coordinate with the other largest cities or counties around here. And I guess that that would be a five-county area perhaps because a stray could could conceivably go from one county to the other and, you know, nobody knows, right? Oh, yeah. And a good example, uh, Harris County's shelter is actually in city of Houston limits. Mm-hmm. And there's a park across the street. And so sometimes if people show up and either they don't have an appointment or they show up after hours, a lot of times they'll dump animals in that park. And oh, really? we do work with the county to make sure, like, we'll go and we'll pick because it's technically in our jurisdiction. So that would be our responsibility to go and get them. Mm-hmm. Um, but we talk to them and we work with them. There's a lot of uh, street rescue groups who work in that area because it's such a common issue mm-hmm. for animals to be dumped in that area. So we work closely with both the rescues who are picking them up in the streets and we'll uh, work with our partners to make sure we get those animals uh, out of the community. I see. Yeah, Pramod? Uh, Cody, this is Pramod. Uh, I have a question for you. Uh, at many, at any one time at the bark, uh, how many animals do you have? At the shelter, you mean? Currently, yeah. we usually have around 300 dogs. Uh, we differentiate different parts of the year for cats. Uh, we're just coming out of kitten season, so usually around March, through the summer months, we have a huge uptick in the amount of cats coming into the shelter. Do you mean to say um, they get they a, really go crazy around the summertime? And, and, oh yeah, and the, they frolic a a, frolic around and have a lot of babies. A lot of babies being born uh, from cats, usually it's around 
the winter months it slows down, but I mean, it's we get them all year, but definitely there's an uptick in the March through like July time period. Uh, so, so we're talking the cat about numbers aren't as high right now. There's only maybe about thirty to fifty cats on average, but during those upticks, it can get up to close to a hundred. Well, but I don't understand. You said three hundred dogs, thirty or forty cats, but that, this is only in one shelter. You you actually have yes. a lot more all over That's the city. Only, out in, well, we also have animals that are in foster care. Mm-hmm. So those are technically still our property. So we have a lot of people who sign up. Um, there's several hundred in foster care that you will take an animal if they have the ability to do it for an extended period until they can find an adopter to find a permanent home. But we rely pretty heavily on our fosters who can come in and be like, hey, guys, we're getting really close to our capacity. We have almost all of our kennels filled. We need to open some more because we could have anywhere from 70 to 100 coming in from the field per day. Yeah, it's a huge problem because, Cody, a lot of my friends, they foster, you know, dogs. And um, I mean, they're always reaching out and posting on Facebook because these uh, dogs, if they cannot find a foster home, they're put down, you know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them, you know, go over and above and, you know, try and keep them in their house but you know like like you said they reach a certain capacity so that you do reach a point where you know dogs have to be put down because no foster homes were found for them right well it's it's a sad reality because we have a commitment we we talk about at our shelter we have dual missions so we have a commitment to public safety so we have the enforcement team who goes out and picks up the animals but we also have a commitment to find uh outcomes for the animals in our shelter through adoption, through our rescue partners. Uh, That's how most of the animals get out, is through our rescue network. And so we'll do both local rescue transfers, and then a lot of people come and reach out to us from out of state. And they'll work with a local foster and transport the animals up north, where they don't have as big of a stray problem. Mm -hmm. And the calls we're getting from the community for enforcement are going up every year. Uh, We had... 7,000 more calls last fiscal year. Our fiscal year runs from July 1st to June 30th every year. And so we just uh, have been pulling a lot of data and we had 7,000 more calls for service. From so the community. these calls are for picking up strays or what yes. are these calls that yes. you're referring to? Okay, picking up strays. Yes. Okay. For, for picking up strays in the community. So And this is just in the Houston area or it's, you know, in the suburbs as well? That's just in the city of Houston. Wow. That doesn't include any of the other jurisdictions or counties. And Corey, is there a a geographical pattern? Are strays coming from all over or um, are there more in certain areas? There's definitely more in certain areas. Um, We have a program called Healthy Pets, Healthy Streets. In the past, before the pandemic, we tried to really target the uh, council districts with the highest amount of stray calls. A lot are on the east side. We have them on the southwest side of town as well. we know that there's a lot of communities, especially on the East End, where there's a lot of animals dumped as well. Um, it's a big issue along like the Port of Houston area on the East End. We mm-hmm. work closely in those council districts to try to uh, do targeted enforcement where we can. Uh, but that, I mentioned that Healthy Pets, Healthy Streets, we, we used to target specific communities where we saw those highest amount of calls because uh, 
we tried to target the source of the issue by offering free spay neuter services. Ah, uh, yes, so of course. Yeah, I was going yeah. to ask you about that next. Yeah, so that's that's a big. If y'all want to. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. Well, it's a free spay neuter program. Uh, we used to offer some spay neuter services at the animal shelter, but we've been down a uh, veterinarian there. We we have two open positions for vets, so we put a pause on doing uh, public spay neuter at the shelter. However, we have Healthy Pets Healthy Streets where uh, we have a few spots in-house where we get surgeries done, but most of them are done through our partners with like the Humane Society, uh, groups called SNAP, Emancipat, Houston Pet Set, uh, a lot of different uh, contracts in place. So we still can offer free spay-neuter uh, services to Houston residents. Corey, uh, let me ask you. usually go pretty quick because they're completely free. So we open them up for the month, and I think September's uh, almost already filled up. So what you're saying is that once the the pets uh, have the inoculations and they're spayed or neutered, they're much more likely to get adopted by somebody. Oh, yeah. Every animal that gets adopted from our shelter has to have a spay-neuter surgery. I see. Uh, Even ones that are, if we pick up a stray and we find out that it's uh, owned by somebody and we return it to their owner, if it's not spayed or neutered per ordinance, we have to. Uh, spay neuter because so, we're not trying to contribute to the stray population. So it is a city uh, of Houston. Houston it's a city of Houston yeah. ordinance to have your pet spayed or neutered. If they are coming from the shelter, we don't have any ordinance requirements in the community. Uh, none exists right now. But if the animal gets picked up, it has to be spayed or neutered before it leaves the shelter. Well, it makes sense to have them to have an ordinance that's uh, that is a uniform and blanket ordinance for the city. I mean, obviously, uh, a cat in my neighborhood, for example, if I, <laughs> if it's yeah. she's not spayed, then there it goes, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we know we've talked about it before. A big thing for us, if that ever gets implemented, if there's ever a future mayor and city council who choose to uh, implement that, uh, we'd have to probably increase our staff by a bunch to enforce it. Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, the the bright side of things. We're talking about all these animals that need to come in and be spayed and neutral. But your success ratio of actually placing the animals that are in your shelter, is it quite high? It is. It's uh, we've in the past during like the early stages of the pandemic, we got as high as ninety five percent. Wow! It's gone back down into the eighties uh, because a lot of shelters, not just our own, um, have seen a big drop. So we had like a bunch of people adopting in the early stages of the pandemic. A lot of people were at home. A lot of people were able to take in foster animals, and we weren't taking in as many either. Mm-hmm. But then. Uh, Oh, it's like, like you can see if you do a search, shelters even up north are talking about how owner turn-ins and people surrendering animals are at an all-time high. Drays are at an all-time high. There's more animals being dumped in communities. Like I said, we're getting more calls from the community. Mm-hmm, I so see. We have seen a slight drop, but it's still 80. I think in August, our number was 83%. So 83% of the animals that come through our shelter in August uh, found either through adoption, foster, or rescue, a live outcome. Okay, so since we're talking about the shelter and we just keep on saying the shelter, can you tell people in case they want to come to the shelter to make an adoption where the shelter is located? Yes, 
Uh, we are in the Fifth Ward area, just off of near Collingsworth and 59 North. The exact address is 3300 Carr Street. That's C-A-R-R Street in Houston. I see. Uh, 77026. So this is off of 40, 59 North, you said? Yes, it is. Uh, so we're like one exit north of uh, I-10, off of 59. Okay. And Near. If you're headed north, you do a little U-turn, and there we are. So you're not as far north as Laura Copy, but you're just south of it. Okay. Folks, you're listening uh, to... We're open every Tuesday to Sunday, our adoption center, from noon to five. Uh, but we have what's called uh, urgent pets list. So those are the animals that if we have, you know, we see behavior issues or medically uh, they're uh, declining or at risk, uh, we will put them on the urgent pets list. And there's a code red list. And those are the ones who are at immediate uh, risk of euthanasia. On Mondays, even though our adoption center is not open, if anybody wants to come in and try to adopt or a rescue is interested, we have team members there. We can still process adoptions for those animals on Mondays as well. Folks, you're listening to Corey Stottlemyre, who is the deputy shelter director at uh, the Bureau of Animal Regulation and Care, also known as BARC, in Houston. And we are talking about how, you know, uh, the, the, the magnitude of animal control that's happening, you know, and uh, Corey, I wanted to ask you, how do you all get funded? Is this uh, funded by the public or, you know, uh, donations or uh, how, how does this work? So we are part of the city of Houston. So we're a municipal animal shelter. Uh, we are part of a bigger department at the city called uh, Administration Regulatory Affairs. Uh, so city council approves our budget every year as part of that bigger department budget. Uh, we have, uh, we are funded around uh, just shy of 15 million per year. Uh, but we do have an external group. That's 15, one, one five, one five, five zero. Yes, sir. One five. Oh, that's it. Um, okay. Yeah. We are, I will say we are the lowest per capita funded shelter in the state of Texas compared to some of our other uh, major uh, cities. Uh, but we also have an outside group called the Bark Foundation. That's mm -hmm. a 501c3, and they do external fundraising. They host events throughout the year uh, because we as a government agency, we can't do that. But they are our fundraising arm. But now uh, the, 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 the need for more funds is because it's, everything's gotten up in price, feeding the dogs and, and, and oh, cats and so on. Sure. Yes, and we know that applies to us and the community. I mentioned earlier that people are turning in pets at a higher rate. We try to host food pantries. We work with external partners, the Humane Society, even the police department has helped sponsor. A lot of our council districts uh, sponsor food pantries. Uh, we try to offer free microchipping events, so pets that are microchipped, which is a requirement by city ordinance now. Uh, but animals that are microchipped, if we find that they're chipped, we can reunite them with their owners and they never have to come to the shelter. So, uh, but yeah, with the cost of everything going up, it's uh, co the cost of operations is increasing. Uh, so we know even like the, the medical supplies, the vaccinations, the uh, items we supply for both the animals we pick up, but we have a low cost wellness center. Those costs are going up for what we provide to the community. So, well. so in essence, what you're saying is the $15 million that the city used in its budget for you isn't sufficient for running all the operations and taking care of these optim optimally. So that's why 
this foundation is able to raise some funds. And this brings in a nice little segue into what our community can do for helping the city of Houston. There are a lot of pet lovers. In fact, if you stay on the on the show after you, there's going to be one person who's coming in who's a, a one one man show of picking up strays in Sugarland, and he'll be talking about his efforts in Sugarland. But there's lots of pet lovers among our community, and I challenge you guys, if you want to help out, then you can call in right now and talk to Corey at two eight one two seven seven six eight seven four because. We have to go to a commercial break. So this is Indo-American News Radio. And Corey, don't go away. We'll be right back with you. Well, it seems like we can have another 30 seconds to go here before we go to our break. Go ahead, Sanchali. Yeah, because I was going to ask Corey, you know, what's the best way for people to stay connected as to how to find out information, you know, when there is need mm-hmm. for someone, you know, to be put in a foster home. Do you have groups? Do you have websites? So we can talk about it when we come back from our commercial break. So stay tuned, folks. American News Radio. Looking for fresh homemade spices? Chandrika Masala is the place. Chandrika Masala Retail Outlet at Factory Location, 13220 Morphy Road. Chandrika Masala, 100% homemade spices, attas, and chutneys. 713-789-3088. Chandrikamasala.com. 713-789-3088. खीरा वो प्यार है जो दिखते थकता नहीं जो हर कसौटी पर खरा उतरता है खीरा वो है जो बनता है हर चेहरे की मुस्कुराहट जो रहे हमेशा आपके साथ आपका और महाराजा जूलर्स का सालों साल का रिश्ता एक खीरा है महाराजा जूलर्स 5821 हिलक्रॉफ्ट 7137845673 महाराजा bringing diamonds to life crime politics finances climate change ah sometimes it gets to be a bit too much at indo-american news unplugged we bring voice to your feelings call in to talk share or disagree with sanjali and jawahar and listen to jyoti playing songs based on indian classical music with pramod and sudhir so call indo-american news unplugged kick back and listen up folks it'll make you feel better every saturday listen to masala radio 3 to 6 pm indo-american news Well, it's nice to know that you missed because I stepped away from the sound box and here we are. We're already at the end of the commercial. Yes, so uh, I was asking Corey just before we went uh, for our commercial break. Corey, can you tell us what's the best way for people to, you know, stay connected and find out, you know, what families are interested, you know, in adopting and more about the foster homes for these trees? Definitely. Uh, HoustonBark.com is our website. And it's B-A-R-C. We have uh, on our website a tab for how to get involved. So if you want to volunteer, you want to learn more about signing up as a foster. If you're a rescue group who 
hasn't been officially involved with us, there's a link there for how you can register. Uh, we also have a page that includes uh, all the information about how to adopt, where we're located, and you can actually look at our inventory online as well. You have to come in person to do actual adoptions, but if you want to go ahead and look, you can see animals both at our shelter and those in foster care as well are all on our website. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on uh, Twitter slash X. Um, we also are on Nextdoor. Uh, that's a big one we use to uh, reach out just locally. To a lot, a lot of, of neighborhoods, yeah. So what kind of time frames do people have, you know, uh, before the animal is put down? So for all our animals, uh, most of them, you know, if you uh, come by noon to five, Tuesday through Sunday are adoption hours. Uh, you can visit and uh, get one of our animals uh, out of the kennel, go walk it around, see if it's uh, suitable for you and your family. We have a cattery on site, too, with uh, rooms where you can take the cats and interact with them more. We do have an urgent pets page, and there are multiple lists there. Some of our animals are on what we call our code orange list. And so those we put on and market them, say, hey, in 48 hours, they'll appear on our code red list. Mm. And once they're on code red, that's that day's potential uh, euthanasia list. So anyone interested, that full list is on our website as well. Again, that was HeathandBark.com. If you're interested in looking at one of the animals on that list. Now, yeah. a lot of those animals that appear there, some of them are marketed only to our rescue groups. A lot of them might have behavior issues or require an extensive amount of medical care. And uh, we work directly with experienced fosters and rescues who can help with those animals specifically. We have a whole office where our foster team, our rescue office works and networks with our partners. Volunteers are welcome to partner with us there to help further market the pets, come take photos of them. Uh, we do kind of an initial uh, photo of the animals when they are brought in to our shelter, but we have a great group who comes in, helps us get even nicer uh, photos after the animal has calmed down after a few days. And uh, there's many other opportunities too for groups. Right. As well. So, Corey, who wants to help out, sign up. Yeah, let me jump in real quick. So, what we've done yeah. is we've touched on the amount, the the problem of the the strays in the city in the greater Houston area as well as what your shelter is capable of doing, how many uh, you can take in at one time for a period of time. We talked about the, 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 the waiting period, which is, 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 is it correct? My understanding is about 15 days before, you know, they get on these lists that you're talking about. It depends. Um, that's usually the ones we call like the length of stay. If we are at our like max capacity, the ones that have been there the longest might result on the list. But if the animal does show like severe behavior issues or it has uh, some severe medical needs, it might end up on the list quicker. Okay. All right. And then let me just carry on. We also talked about your budget, which is $15 million a year, and it's not sufficient for your operations. And therefore, there's a, there's a, a nonprofit organization, a foundation that actually helps to raise money in order to support you in your efforts. You take in donations of food or clothing or mattresses and so on and so forth. If, is that correct also? That is. Uh, we actually put a plea out that our foster office, anybody who signs up a foster, we try to give you supplies. We're running a little low, so we accept all those items you just said. I see. Okay. So there is ample room for people from our community who are pet lovers in order to go out and help 
the Houston yeah. uh, Animal Shelter that's, that's on Carr Street, just north, just on uh, 59 North, just north of I-10. And uh, Corey, do these uh, shelters talk to each other? Like if there's more room available in another one of the shelters, do you all transfer pets from one to the other? We have. Uh, a lot of times, I mentioned earlier, it's when we get those cruelty situations. Um, the city of Pearland recently was asking for assistance. They had a very large amount of animals taken from one uh, hoarding case, and they worked with a lot of different rescues in the area to help alleviate. I will say a lot of us are in uh, very similar situations when it comes to our capacity. You know, the, the public has a need in the community for us to pick up strays, and that's just not limited to us in the city of Houston. So we're all kind of in a similar boat when it comes to uh, our capacity almost always being reached. Okay, Corey. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. We're almost out of time. Uh, in parting, any parting words to in, uh, to you know give to our listeners out here? Uh, I would say if you're interested in adopting an animal, consider a shelter first. Uh, like we said, we have a lot of animals that come through our shelter daily. So keep checking back if today's not the right time. Throw, in a, throw out a phone number. Completely throw, different animals. <laughs> throw out a phone number. If you're in city Houston, 311 is the way to get in touch with... Uh, 311? 311. Okay. Uh, so if you're a city of Houston resident, if you have any needs uh, for enforcement or you're trying to get connected to the shelter, you can call 311. That's the kind of gateway for all city services. But what about if they want to adopt? Uh, you can contact 311 as well, and they'll connect you directly to the shelter. Oh, wow. That's really so convenient, so very convenient. And just by way of parting, I want to mention that they do offer, uh, as an inducement for you to uh, to adopt a pet, they will give you uh, free inoculations, free spaying or neutering services, and but not necessarily a chip. Not necessarily. No, yes, we will. Oh, we, even the we chip? We will microchip your pets as well. Yes. Wow. That's all included in the cost of adoption. Oh. And next weekend, we'll have completely waived adoption fees. From oh, I see. through the 17th. So otherwise, what's the adoption fee? It's $50 for dogs, 75 for puppies, and cats are $20. Cats and kittens are all $20. So you will save $50 for dogs, 75 on dogs and pup- I mean, on puppies, or $20 on cats. If you go next, you say next weekend? Yes, seven, uh, the 15th through the 17th. Cool. Our partners at Best Friends Animal Society are sponsoring adoptions for us. And this is at the car location? Yes, sir. All right, Corey, thank you very much once again. Really do appreciate it, and, and we certainly would like to have you back on the show one other time to give us more new updates. All the best to you, sir. Very happy to do so. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you very Corey. much. Yeah, yeah, thanks. We learned a lot. Thanks. Yeah, we really did, and, yeah, yeah. and we are absolutely uh, going to be talking about pets for the next two guests also. We now yeah, it's nice that we have a, uh, an entire show devoted to this theme. Yes. Right, because the pets are so, so um, soothing, so, well, so service pets, for example. Good companions. Yeah. Yeah. So, Charlie, do you have a... Com- who don't talk back, who don't give you... Attitude, hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Sanjali, do you have a pet? I do not. (laughs) Are you searching for a pet? No, I'm not. 
Because you live in Sugarland, right? Yeah, but I'm not home enough. But the, we have the, our next guest can actually help you in case if you want to find a pet. And he is none other than Ramesh Anand. Pr- Pramod, would you like to introduce him? Certainly. I'm very honored to introduce Ramesh Anand. He's a law graduate from Mumbai and a resident of Fort Bend County for the last 30 years. His wife, Zarina, with whom Ramesh has run over 25 half marathons in the last six years, recently retired as a tax manager with BDO USA, a multinational accounting firm. Ramesh has two sons, Tarush, who is an attorney and married to Nehal, who is also an attorney. His younger son, Vineet, is a CPA and tax manager with RSM USA, also an accounting firm. So accounting runs in the family, looks like. Accounting and attorneys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Ramesh, along with his wife and his family, and help from few friends, has been recruiting, Res- or rescuing rather, uh, primarily dogs and cats for the last several years. He may have rescued over 700 animals and found them homes. He's also invited by nonprofits to speak about animals. Besides animal rescue, uh, Ramesh is the founding board member and president of I Am For Heroes, Inc., an initiative that serves all U.S. and allied military and first responder heroes. Ramesh is also the Honorary Executive Director of Houston Growth Forum, an organization that explores various growth areas for Greater Houston through meaningful luncheon dialogues. Ramesh hosts Flipside, a bipartisan political talk show on 103.5 FM. Professionally, Ramesh heads a HR and technology consulting company for 30 years. Welcome, Ramesh. Ramesh. Thank you, Pramod. Thank you. Thank you for the introduction. We were trying You're to welcome. Do. with my own introduction. Thank you. We, we were not trying to silence you. It's just my <laughs> wayward mind. I'm thinking about getting a service animal. Oh, okay. Good idea. For Sanchali. <laughs> <laughs> Well, right. Welcome to the show, Ramesh. Yeah, we're, we're glad that you could make we'll time for us again. <laughs> yeah, it's a serious topic, you know. So, well, can you hear us, Ramesh? I think it's. Well, it's, I can hear you for sure, just because we are so close. I'm not sure about the headphone the is not working. I'll come and fix it. Yeah. Yeah, we need her her, her loving touch on that headphone. So, Ramesh uh, is is well known across Sugarland, actually, by mm. by our community for his his deep devotion to helping strays. To, to, to helping to put strays together with loving families. Right. And I also remember Ramesh uh, on the board of Daya. So yeah. he was helping victims of domestic violence as well. So that was services in his blood, it seems like. Yeah, it seems like it. So we, we are actually um, able to talk about many success stories. How many success stories have you had, Ramesh? Well, over 700. I, I think it's closer to 800, but then I'm not... Uh, somewhere along the Who's lines, counting? <laughs> I stopped counting. Yeah, and they're mostly dogs? Mostly dogs and a few cats. Mm-hmm. Sometimes some other stray, like a turtle or th- things like that. But do you find these strays on your own or you just have No, to... I don't go looking for them. Every every day, literally every day, I get a couple of requests. Every, every day almost, I get a couple of requests. Uh-huh. Saying, Somebody hey, calls you, you up. Yeah, people call, send me a text, send me a message, whatever way. So these are people that you know or they're I referred know to? I from Adams. Really? They, just people randomly reaching yeah. out. How, how, do, how, do, how, how do they, they get find you? 
I wish I knew. Word Sometimes of mouth. I wish they could not. Do you have me. your own website no, or something just, about this? Okay. Yeah, we, so they know just you as word the, of mouth. I guess that's right. They right. know they know you as the lone crusader. Yes. In yes. in sugar in the Sugarland area, Missouri City. I'm proud resident of Missouri City. Okay, so I just like to say that. No, I know the last yes. time you were here, you had told us that you even go driving around looking. You know, no, no, I don't go looking. Okay, uh, but, but essentially, what them. happens is if I'm driving around, and if I see something, uh, and and the policy that I have that my wife also shares with me, and so does my family, is if I go touch a dog, I don't care. Come rain, come storm. I will save it. Mm. We will rescue it. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is a couple of times, uh, I was just telling the friends outside that uh, it's a, it's an individual rescue and uh, we as a policy don't take donations from people. Mm-hmm. So it's just my wife and me spending and my sons at times bailing us out and we are not rich. So the couple of occasions, not couple, more than a couple of occasions where I've rescued a dog which had serious issues. Some One was hit by a car and other similar, where we spend anything between eight to $10,000 on rescuing. Wow. And this all came out of our pocket. Sure. I literally took a Wells Fargo card once, which my <laughs> wife doesn't know, and I hope she's not listening. <laughs> she ran these marathons with you. How could she not be listening? Now well, she will know. <laughs> It'll be uh, on Spotify. You uh, know that, Somebody right? will tell her. <laughs> so uh, let me get this straight. You are doing this as a good Samaritan out of the goodness of your heart. Well, I don't know about Good Samaritan or Good... It's just a passion. Uh, if I may, Jay, each, each of us, in this room, the four of us, if I can take as an example, each of us, have, we have our own passion. Mm-hmm. And each of us, it is a very different passion. Of course. And I, I find it that one should not impose one's own passion upon the others. Correct. But together, we all make the world a better place. Sure. No, altruistically, I, I believe that. But what I'm saying is, if you if you use Wells Fargo to pay for the operation, and you're hidden it from your wife, there there's a certain impact on your pocketbook, right? On your it's always yes. Right. So so, uh, does anyone else come along and says when they're taking the the animal that you rescued and brought back to health? Do they say, well, here's two thousand dollars or something? Well, once in a while, someone comes along, but mostly people come along and I say, I don't want your money. Oh, so it is altruistic. It's a passion, yeah. Well, so, Ramesh, how, how long have you been doing this and I, what, what got you interested and you've just been a pet lover all your life? Or no, actually, what we got never, you started? essentially, we never had a pet in our life. Our oldest son, when As he was finishing know. law school, he got a dog home and said, can we keep it for six months while he graduated and moved into an apartment and you know as uh, Jay would agree with me he had a cat and uh, once they come into your home uh, it, it's a very close thing mm-hmm. and so we got very attached so we thought we conned our son and convinced him to keep the dog in our house mm-hmm. and said that you can come visit the dog mm-hmm. and he took care of it but it stayed with us mm-hmm. and after about six seven years when it passed away I did not realize what an impact it would have on our lives. Mm. Mm-hmm. And my wife said, you know what, Ramesh, instead of getting another dog, why don't we just help? And that got us started one at a time. One so how time. long ago was this? This was probably about seven, eight, nine years ago. Oh, okay. So you haven't been doing it for that long. And you've rescued I'm 700. Over 700. In, in a span of seven yeah, yeah, years. Easily, That's a lot. Easily. That's I huge. mean, every week, essentially, I do not exaggerate when yeah. I say this. Every week, I rescue at least one dog. Wow. I, and uh, and how long do you keep the I shelter dog? Well, the, 
when we rescue it depends on how soon we find a home mm-hmm. and there are two there are three three ways that uh, we can increase and one of the requests that i would have of your listeners mm-hmm. is that if any of them can foster a dog or a cat while we rescue it helps us save even more our our constraint is that people and there are hundreds of rescuers like me i'm not alone and it takes a village to rescue even one animal do you want to throw out a number uh for fostering but not for saying i found a stray <laughs> okay <Yeah>. for fostering <laughs> yeah it's 832731 6133 8327316133 for fostering in other I mean, words any, any advice you need help you know i have friends of mine so what very very often the dogs that we rescue we either have a foster taking care or i board them which is an expensive proposition because it costs me almost 3 to 400 dollars a month to board a dog so it's not like you've got five dogs running around in your backyard no i don't keep so many in my house so how how many do you keep one or two one at a time one at a time yeah, one, like right but you're getting house, seven i mean you've got 700 so one a week one a week one a week But, approximately so you get one and you are able to foster so what's the process that, yeah what well, we're trying on. to get hold at on. is the process you get the get the stray and then you keep them in your house or you take them directly to the okay i'll i'll combine with his question yeah it's yeah. the same question Similar. yeah great so uh, if i can if you bear with me for a couple of seconds uh, i found a dog a puppy last week uh, someone called me saying hey, there's this a german shepherd puppy someone has thrown on the street can you help and i first as a rescuer my thing is if i can have somebody fostering that will be wonderful so i said do you mind taking care of the dog until i find alternates and the lady said i can keep the dog in my house so then immediately i asked her to take the puppy to the vet she took the puppy to the vet i paid for the vet vetting fee while she was taking care i started networking for a home So we already found a home in New York for the puppy and the puppy will go to New York on the 24th that's when it'll go to New York to its new but, home uh, but now that's Now so while that is happening while that is happening two days ago from Greens Point the lady called me saying that there is a big uh, lab somebody dumped can you help and again my same question she said yes i can take care so now she's taking care and monday she will take the dog to the vet and she will take care of the dog until i find a home now i start networking for the dog it may take me anything from one week to two months before i find a home well now how do you network your social net, social media one yeah social media is a lot one advantage that i have is uh, my professional background of being in the head hunting space for over 30 years mm-hmm. and I kind of I suspect I have using the same skills mm-hmm. in finding homes for the pets. But so I network. I mean my friends who rescue they 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 take a year to find a home and I can find a home within a month month and a half. So, so you spread the, the you spread the word and then one one call leads to the next. Absolutely. And and if i may add one more po- yeah you had a question Sanchali sir. No you finish and then I'll okay. ask. Yeah. Well so, no but we no, we got to go to a commercial break folks. So we'll be right back. 
politics, finances, climate change. Oh, sometimes it gets to be a bit too much. At Indo-American <laughs> News Unplugged, we bring voice Dads to your feelings. Over. Call in to talk, share, or disagree with Sanchali and Jawahar. And listen to Jyoti playing songs based on Indian classical music with Pramod and Sudhir. So call Indo-American News Unplugged. Kick back and listen up, folks. It'll make you feel better. Every Saturday, listen to Masala Radio, 3 to 6 p.m. Indo-American News. Welcome back, folks. And as you might have heard, Sanjali yelling in the background, the ads are over. <laughs> <laughs> We're having so much fun talking to people, but we're not doing our ad business. Promote, this is not right. The ads, uh, yeah, they've become shorter in duration. So well, we're, uh, we're having a tough time keeping up with the ads. But anyway, Ramesh, the question I had... No, no, the, no, not to make you feel like we're going out of business. It's just that we're not keeping track of our time this well, so well, this time around. Uh, so, yes, and Charlie, go ahead. Uh, so you said that this dog has to be taken to New York. Who bears the expenses for all of this? Yeah, so like I said, uh, we pick up most of the cost, my wife and I and my family. Wow. And so the way, the way that's what I was about to talk about, the process of adoption also. We just, we don't give the dog randomly to the first person who comes across, we come across, who approaches us. There is a concept called bait dogs. Have you heard of them? No. Okay. It's something I want to share for sure. Because we always advise people, if you find a dog, do not hand it over to the first person who reaches out to you. There are, they are abused. A lot of dogs are abused. Typically two ways, if they are not fixed, they're not neutered, spayed, they're immediately put into the backyard for backyard breeding and, I mean, kept in deplorable conditions. The second is even worse. You, There's a concept yeah. called bait dogs. So there are these people who engage in dog fighting. Yeah. What they do is they need f dogs which are domesticated and they put it in the pit, the fighting pit. Mm -hmm. They throw it into the pit. The fighting dog knows nothing but to go attack like a Mike Tyson they literally rip the dog apart yeah mm -hmm. you had talked about this yes, on last the last time. and very often do the remember, dog does yeah. not die but it is absolutely in a bad shape and next those folks throw it on the street and oh. it dies a slow death so we we try to take as much care as we can when we adopt out I have an adoption application form that I ask people to complete if they are in Houston then I would probably drop by but wherever they are, if they've had a pet before, which is on the form, mm -hmm. I ask their vet information, we call the vet and find out whether this person really exists, especially if it's in New York and other places. Mm -hmm. And we call the vet, find out if the person really has had a pet and have they been taking care of the dog. Mm -hmm. These are Second, criminals. What, These are criminal activities. I mean, is there oh, anything yes. to stop them or is well, it they are the, the the law is doing what they can but you know how it is they are always one step ahead mm. and second also what we do is in terms of cost uh, if if it is uh, within houston i tell the person i i'll end up spending anything between 300 to 500 dollars per dog that i rescue i tell the person adopting to pay 150 dollars directly to the vet we don't take any money from anyone I tell them that we have spent, I mean, the cost is 400 or upwards. You spend $150, you pay directly to the vet towards the dog that you're adopting mm -hmm. so that they have a skin in the game. Well, now, when you say we don't, who's we? Me. 
and my wife. <laughs> Your wife who is still in the, in the She's dark. She's in the back, right? I'm the mm-hmm. one who actually. So it, yeah. we were talking about 700 animals over nine years, right? Give or take. So that's about 80 animals a year. Yeah. And you're, you're doing, if you do the math with all this stuff, it's costing you a small fortune here. It does. So, folks, did you hear that? We've got an, uh, a guy in our community who's doing all this thing on his own. He's the lone ranger of, of taking care of strays and, and, yeah. and fostering them. And I think his story is certainly needs to be widespread. And obviously, you need to support him. So, yeah, Jay, if I can add one more thing, it, in fact, it becomes very embarrassing to me. <laughs> you know, with the friends that we have all over the place, uh, we all have. So many of them have their galas. Like today I'm going to an ISCF gala yeah, right. and others. And people say, Ramesh, I want you to come to the gala. And I tell people, I'm, uh, age is an advantage. I can be blunt. But I tell them I can't afford it. And they look at me and say, I can't afford because I spend what I have and more on animal rescues, which is why I cannot afford. Some people understand. But a lot of people get very upset with me. <laughs> saying, yeah, you're kanjo But I have a different question Please. for you. Um, being in contact with so many dogs and cats and so forth, uh, have you come uh, to be in communication with these uh, animals? Like, have you learned how to communicate? He, with has he been pets? Doctor oh, Doolittle? No, yeah, no, kind I, I would say Doctor Doolittle, uh, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I definitely uh, believe that I, I. I can train dogs. Mm-hmm. In fact, a lot of dogs that I've rescued, yes. when I rescue, they 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 are quasi-trained. Some are not trained. So I, I land up and keep them in my house. Like, give you an example. There's a German Shepherd that I rescued probably about eight, ten months ago, which was in my house for a month. Mm. The first day when I got, picked him up from my vet and I got him, he literally pulled my wrist off. Oh, wow. Because wow. he pulled. He didn't know how to walk on a leash. Not his fault. Nobody had taught him. He was a big dog. Within one week, so every morning I used to go running with him, walking with him. Within one week, if I stopped, he would stop. I would tug, he would sit next to me. It took me one week to train him to that. And he was perfect after that. Well, when you first come across a stray or uh, an animal like that, do you not feel a little scared that they might be a little violent towards you? Uh, well, I don't go looking for strays. No. 99% of the time. Correct. They come to you. No, no somebody else tells me that, hey, we found this stray, would you have? Right. No, that part we know. What I'm saying is when you first get in touch with them, don't you feel a little apprehension? Not really. Not really. I'll tell you, dogs, first of all, dogs generally sense fear. So if any person in my house, for example, when I have a party and if I have a dog at home, there'll be two guests who are scared of dogs. And these dogs will always go sit next to them. <laughs> I, I'm, I kid you not. Yes. So as long as you do not demonstrate fear, one. Second, I always have some treat. So I keep the treat in my hand. So the dog's attention is on the treat. I allow it to smell. I keep quiet. I don't scare him. I don't ruffle him. or uh, And it's fine. Well, Ramesh, thank you so much. We've got our next guest coming up. We've got four guests this time around. So our, sh- our, our segments are sh- a little shorter. But we really appreciate whatever you do for, our, for you, the entire community. And good luck to you. And we'll be sure to spread your message. Well, absolutely. I want one message, though, a quick one. Mm-hmm. For all your listeners, don't shop. Adopt your next pet. Yeah. Thank that's yes. that's Thank what Corey the told us, too. Thank you so much, yeah. Ramesh. We really appreciate you. <laughs> right. Folks, well, we, we are uh, we're going to be going on to our next guest who are already waiting outside. And this is going to be a nice, nice 
change from just the talk about adoptions and taking care of the strays and so on. You're actually going to be talking to a young man who is... Um, well, yeah, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm building up to it. I'm building up to it. We're going to be talking to this young man who is, uh, who, who is somewhat of a, of a mini Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> so, um, yes. So, uh, Sinchali, you want to do the introduction? Sure. So, Yuvi, his name is Yuvan. Yuvan Yuvi Agarwal is a fifth grader from Houston, Texas. He's passionate about science, music, and animals, especially his four-legged brother, Bozo. An advocate for animals, he believes in equal rights for all creatures, believing they deserve as much love and respect as humans. He dreams of one day becoming an inventor and building technologies that contribute to a cleaner earth. Music is his first love, and he can play a variety of instruments and enjoys composing music. He is intrigued by mythology and world history. When he's not reading or playing with Bozo, he keeps busy tinkering with his 3D printer or playing squash. He loves to travel with his parents and has been to many different countries. He recently launched Wild Tunes, music therapy for animals. Each week, UV goes to local shelters in Houston, Houston Pets Alive and Citizens for Animal Protection to play the keyboard for the animals in their care. He's been featured in local and national media, including Good Morning America and USA Today, for his innovative program, which he hopes to implement in shelters across the country. Welcome to our show, Yuvi. We are so happy to have you here. Thank you. I thought you'd bring a little keyboard or something <laughs> and no, play for us and we, tell us. No, no, know. no. The keyboard, of course, is out of the question. But why, we, why, why, why? Because we don't have the setup, and but we do have a video of him doing ah, this, okay, sure. and which we will be able to share. So uh, the audio part of it. <laughs> so right? you, Yubi is. Which school do you go to? Um, I go to the village school. Uh huh. That's right down there. Not. Too far On from the, the west actually. side, yes. yes. Right. They had a big, uh, uh, some sort of uh, athletic event there today, right? He's that was probably, probably not a yeah. I, w- I went by there and I, I couldn't find a place to park. I couldn't get through that whole area. It was, it was pretty packed. I, I think there was some football game or something. Mm-hmm. Football in the middle of this heat, <laughs> yes. Well, the foot, football season has started and the college football is underway today. Right, there are people dropping like flies all over the and place. I, I think uh, high schools play on Fridays, right? And you've, uh, you've come here with your parents and your parents, Priyanka, can you hear us? You hear her? Yes, mm-hmm. hi. And then your dad's, uh, wh- is, what's your uh, husband's name? My husband's name is Nitin. Hi, Nitin is a busy video recording, and or is, do, is, maybe doing Facebook Live. I don't know <laughs> which one. <laughs> so, so good to have. Welcome, uh, welcome to, to our show. You, so, how long have you been at the village school, by the way? Um, I've been there for four, four years. Uh-huh. I, I've been there for four years. Okay, okay. And, and, and you're a fifth grader, correct? Yes. All right. And where did you learn how to play the the piano? Is it the piano or the keyboard? Keyboard. Um. At home. Yes. And and who taught you? Your mom, or did you get an instructor? I got an instructor. I see. And once you and I'm, I've actually heard that video. I mean, I've seen the video <coughs> and I've heard the the count the sound, but we'll play it in a minute. But it's pretty decent. 
Did you teach yourself some of these tunes, or are they all original tunes, or whatever? Um, mo most of them are are my original tunes, but I do know some famous songs. Ah, I and see. you also compose music. That's so good to know, Yubi. Thank you. Yeah, that's wonderful. And so, how do the animals react? Do they enjoy it? Um, yes, they do. So. Just yesterday, there was um a puppy named Penelope. He um. Pen sadly, Pen she Penelope. She. Yeah. She. Um, and sadly, she was supposed to be. She was uh, going to be euthanized oh. because of a skin problem, but luckily she was rescued. <coughs> so he, she was rescued by Houston Pets Alive. So she was very um scared and shy at first, but within a few minutes of me playing, she like was literally nibbling my ears. Oh. And um, she even let me carry her. But now, oh, do you have a pet at home? Um, yes. What Bozo. Yeah. No, so how old is Bozo? He is um, almost three. And what kind of dog is he? He's a golden doodle. Ah, I see. Okay. So, Yuvi, tell us what got you interested in, you know, uh, playing music for uh, pets. I mean, that's kind of unusual, right? Um, I honestly don't know what got <laughs> me into music. <laughs> I just been, I just have loved music ever since. No, I not just music. Like, what made you play for these animals? Pets, yeah. For oh, these pets. Um, so last festive season, um, my mom took me to read to the animals at our local shelter. So and seeing how the dogs relaxed, um, I realized that music would have a much better effect. Um, and when I play music for my dog Bozo, he just relaxes in the same way that the dogs at the shelter did. Mm -hmm. I see. What what does he do? Does he just turn over on his back and put his paws up in the air? What what does he do? Uh, he just li he just lies down and listens to the music. So Priyanka, I wanted to ask you: Did you notice this this uh, talent in your your son early on? I did actually. UV has been very passionate about animals and music ever since he was a baby. So, um, you know, I think I call it some kind of a karmic connection. So UV has always been drawn towards animals. He's always loved music. So when he actually came to me and he said, Mama, I want to do this. I want to go play music for animals in the animal shelter. I was like, okay, this sounds like a good idea, but let's see how we're going to make it happen. So actually, I told him, I said, UV, why don't we write a little concept note and where you need to answer some questions about, you know, what do you want to play? How will it benefit animals? I gave him a couple of questions and believe it or not, he wrote a two-page concept note. On, and, that, and this is when he was nine years old. This is when this was last year. And then I said, okay, I'm going to contact a few shelters and see if anybody would be interested in this. And luckily for us, uh, Houston Pets Alive was the first shelter to come on board. And we've been going there for six months. And as Yuvi said, you know, there are a couple of heartwarming stories about how the animals have really warmed up. So what this program is really doing is, A, it gives volunteers an opportunity to do something other than fostering, adopting or donating, right? They can just use their musical talent and go donate their time. And the second big advantage is it's helping animals readapt to humans. Because a lot of these animals, they Have come from... Abused they've been abused. Yeah. You, you want to talk about Toby's story? Um, yes. 
So, um, there was also another dog named Toby. He, um, he was found on the streets severely injured. He, he, um, he, he was taken in and he, ha- he, he needed some surgeries and his left eye was amputated. Um, so, she, so like Penelope, he was um, very shy and scared. But eventually he warmed up to me and now he's an extremely friendly dog. Well, how, how long have you been around uh, this dog? Um, I, I th- maybe two months. Uh-huh. And then um, he, he got adopted. Oh, that's oh. the well, best that's news ever. Yeah, so Yuvi, uh, uh, I have a question for uh, you. Hang on. We, we just had... Hang on, we're almost out we of have minute. two minutes. Uh, hold, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's try to let people know what, what we're ta- doing here. We're talking to... You want to explain who we're yeah, talking to? Yeah, so we are talking to Yuvan, who also goes by Yuvi. Yuvi Agarwal, and he's a fifth grader. And he plays music for pets f- at shelters. So we're really honored uh, to and have him here. And he and was... And his uh, Good program Morning is America called and USA Today. So he's been. Yeah, and uh, his uh, program is called Wild Tunes, and it's music therapy for animals. And he goes to local shelters in Houston. Right. And right. And the only reason I'm so nervous is because we missed the last couple of commercial <laughs> breaks. I don't want to miss this one. So okay. otherwise, you know, we're going to get hell. So, folks, this is Indo-American News Radio, and we hope you're enjoying this particular program. This today we done we focused on pets, right? Right, all all program. So the whole part until the next guest, which will be a different topic altogether. Yeah, we talked to Corey Stottlemyre, and then we talked to Ramesh Anand, who have been doing wonders. And, and now, now it's ta- time for a commercial break. And we'll be so stay tuned, folks. We'll be right back. Right, this is Indo-American News Radio. One more time, we'll be back after these messages, if we're lucky. <laughs> I'm Jawahar. I'm Sanchali. And I'm Pramod. Indo-American News Radio. The DLF's Great Indian Property Show is coming to Houston. It's your chance to explore India's finest real estate projects. Your dream home is now closer than you think. See you at the biggest real estate event of the year. DLF's Great Indian Property Show at Hilton Houston Post Oak at 2001 Post Oak Boulevard on Saturday, September 16th and Sunday, September 17th from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. For details, visit dlf.in. उड़ान क्यों ना जगत जीत हो घर तुम भी साथ निभाओ यारों निक डॉन ऑफ मस्ती ग्रुप प्रेजेंट्स ब्लाइंड म्यूजिकल शो मेरे संग चल जरा फ्राइडे सितंबर 15th एट स्टैफर्ड सिविक सेंटर ऑल ब्लाइंड सिंगर्स एंड म्यूजिशियंस फ्रॉम उड़ान एंटरटेनमेंट मुंबई टिकट्स स्टार्टिंग फ्रॉम ओनली 15 डॉलर्स ऑन selekha.com फॉर ग्रुप टिकट्स एंड स्पॉन्सरशिप कॉल निक डॉन 8326409597 मेरे संग चल जरा if you think you're keeping up with the news, tell us what you know. Get on the Indo-American News Radio Quiz Show. I think I know this. The only quiz of its kind on Desi Radio. In the U.S. And win points, a prize, laughs, and make friends. To get on the Indo-American News Radio, email today. News at yahoo.com or call 713-789-6397. Indo-American News Radio on Masala 98.7 FM. Every Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m. with Jawahar Sanchali Pramod and Jyoti. 
मेकिंग पाव भाजी वड़ा पाव और अंडा पाव टुनाइट वेजीज अंडा मसाला चटनी तो समझा लेकिन पाव अच्छा होना चाहिए गेट द बेस्ट पाव एंड सैंडविच ब्रेड मेड फ्रॉम स्क्रैच इन ह्यूस्टन ओनली फ्रॉम हॉट ब्रेड हॉट ब्रेड पाव मेल्ट सीनियर माउथ मुंबई की याद दिला देगा डोंट फॉर गेट फ्रेश मेड वेज एंड नॉन वेज स्नैक्स क्रोसॉन्स पफ्स मिनी पिज्जाज एंड डिलीशियस पेस्ट्रीज एंड कुकीज हॉट ब्रेड ऑन हिल क्रॉफ्ट एट हार्विन Crime, politics, finances, climate change. Ah, sometimes it gets to be a bit too much. At Indo-American News Unplugged, we bring voice to your feelings. Call in to talk, share, or disagree with Sanjali and Jawahar. And listen to Jyoti playing songs based on Indian classical music with Pramod and Sudhir. So call Indo-American News Unplugged. Kick back and listen up, folks. It'll make you feel better every Saturday. Listen to Masala Radio, three to six p. Indo American News Uh welcome back listeners um, I'm pleased to announce that the Eternal Gandhi Museum is now open it's the first freestanding museum in America dedicated to Mahatma Gandhi to preserve and promote his everlasting legacy of non-violent conflict resolution learn about his early life the freedom struggle and the modern activists he inspired eternal gandhi museum is now open tuesday through sunday near west airport boulevard and beltway 8 south use the promo code ian uh, for indo american news and receive 10% off admission for tickets timings or to donate visit egmh.org Well, and that's certainly worth, well worthwhile. And the October second is Gandhi's birthday. Yes. So there should be a big yes, event going on. So uh, Nikhil is Nitin. Nitin, Nitin. I'm sorry. Nitin, that's okay. Nitin is uh, Yubi's dad, and Nitin, we wanted to ask how how involved are you in in this in this uh, process? Well, I'm I'm trying to support them from the back end. Um, Priyanka, she's the PR professional, so it kind of flows with her line of work. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I'm in the back end. Uh huh. I'm trying to support as much as I can. Are, are you? Are you? Uh, were you nervous when you found out that your 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 little boy here was going to be going to these shelters and dealing with dogs that he didn't know? No, I was not nervous because he's always been very confident of what he wants to do, mm-hmm. and uh, he will make a case for it. He will not just come up to you and say, "I want to do this," and next day it's gone. Uh-huh. So even like in his daily life, if he wants to do something, it's something that he's thought of. It's something he's passionate about, and he will follow through with it. He's that's a very yeah. Pr- that's what a good was trait. fascinating is that he did the little note when he was yeah. nine years old, a two-page yeah. note about how passionate he is about doing this, and this is exactly yeah. what he wanted to do. And he goes, so proud of you, Yuvi. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's been six months, and we go to two shelters every week. So once a week at yeah, both. At both, and he's never said no. He's um, he's always very passionate and ready to play music. Very gratifying and rewarding, right? It really, yes. yeah, so makes you happy. We are going to play a little clip here, and actually, as I've told you earlier on, this is an abbreviated segment because we're only doing twenty minutes. 
And we, we have our next caller who's going to be calling in from Mexico City. Right. So, so folks, we are listening to UV Agarwal. He's in the studio with his parents, Priyanka and Nitin. And he plays music for pets in shelters. And uh, he's become quite famous, actually. He's been on Good Morning America. And then uh, he's been interviewed by Channel 11. So here's Jawar with the clip. And now he's fam- even more famous because he's, he's on Indo-American News Radio. That's absolutely yeah. right. <laughs> So let me play this 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 clip. This is um, the video. Obviously, you can't see, but it's on YouTube. It's called Wild Tunes. Wild Tunes is the little um, the His music therapy own composition. Mu- music therapy. That, is this that your own composition? Um, yes. Okay, so this is UV's own composition, and folks, he's only a fifth grader, ten years old. So he's launched this Wild Tunes music therapy for animals, and. He plays it in local shelters, and here's one of the places that he played it. So it's coming off my my phone. Here we go. That is very soothing, very, yes. very soothing indeed. And now we know why the animals relax when you play the keyboard. <laughs> Thank you. So tell us about your experience being interviewed by all these different, you know, uh, platforms. Um, it has been um, very um, fun and uh, it's very interesting. So do all your classmates know about it in school, that you're famous? Um, <laughs> yeah, yes. All right. So they treat you as a celebrity, huh? <laughs> eh, not really. Not really. <laughs> no <laughs> such privilege. <laughs> the teachers don't give you extra points for it, right? <laughs> well, uh, UV and your parents, what is the next step you're going to do from here? Um, so I would like to make Wild Tunes a national initiative. where. No, no, explain to me what Wild Tunes is... Is is a group? Is it an organization? Is it an album? Is it a CD? What is it? Um, it is a. It's an organization. Yes, it's an organization. Um, that is b- music therapy for animals. Uh huh. So it's a non-profit organization. Yes, and I would like to take it national, like, and make it an initiative where anyone can participate, and the only requirements will be you need to play a mellow, um, soft, melodious instrument. And you all, you just, we'll have multiple w- shelters um, registered on the on our website, and um, people can just go. You can connect a shelter with a musician. Yeah, musician. Um, yes, yeah. yes. That's a very nice thought. So you you so launched this, right? Um, yes. All right. So right now, you do you have any participation from anyone else, or you're the only one, the only musician? Um. Currently, I'm the only musician. Okay, all right. So, how are you spreading the word? How are you getting the word out? Um, through these news stories. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, good luck to you, Yubi. Thank you. Uh, you know, uh, we just had Krishna Janmashtami. Uh, 
And Krishna used to play the basuri, uh, the flute, for the uh, cattle he was uh, herding. So you're following in his footsteps. Thank you. Like a little baby <laughs> Krishna. Was, or, you, or you could say you're the Pied Piper of the animal. Yes, right. yes, yes. <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much for joining us today and, and sharing your, your fantastic journey, you and your parents. You must be, we are incredibly proud and we look forward you to having you. You going to tell us again. briefly about a, a concert? concert. Yeah. Yes, I just wanted to say I would love to, I mean, thank you for having us. And if all your listeners could come out and support us, we are going to be hosting the first Wild Tunes concert. Could, would you like to throw in a, n- a number real quick, please? Um, we are looking, we are hopeful to uh, collect a total of $5,000. Uh, to. What's, be- what's the phone number? Uh, the phone number um, is 832 892 3762. The concert is on November 18th. Uh, it's from 4 to 5.30 p.m. UV is going to be playing. We have a couple of other local musicians who are going to be playing. So if um, your listeners can come and support us, donate to this cause, we'll be very happy. Okay. Once again, folks, that number is 832-892-3762. It's November 18th. So do call and do support. They want to raise $5,000. Good luck to you all. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, thank you for yeah, coming. Yeah, and once you make the flyer, you let us know. We'll put the word out again. Yeah. Great. Thank and you. we're going thank to move you. on to our next guest, yeah, who's already calling ton, in from uh, Priyanka and UV. Thank you so much all for the having very us. Best. All the very best. Thank, thank you. Thank you. And we promote. Would you like to introduce our next guest? Sure. I'll be honored to introduce Anjan Sundaram. Uh, Anjan is an award-winning author, journalist, and television presenter whose war correspondence has won a Frontline Club Award and a Reuters Prize, and he's hailed as a successor to Kapuscinski. His previous books are Bad News, Last Journalist in a Dictatorship, and Amazon Book of the Year, and Stringer, A Reporter's Journey in the Congo, a Royal African Society Book of the Year. Sundaram has reported from Central Africa for the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Daily Telegraph, The Guardian, The Observer, and many other uh, news media. Anjan's uh, recent memoir, Break Up a Marriage in Wartime, is a heart-rendering account of the personal price that war correspondents pay as they bear witness on the front lines of humanitarian crimes across the world. Torn between his commitment to his family and his work, Sundaram's writing evocatively translates his moral dilemmas as he travels through the Central African Republic in a compelling journey of horror and hatred, of compassion and courage. Sundaram was born in Ranchi, India, and grew up in Dubai. He studied at the Valley School in India, and after enrolling in the electrical engineering program at the IIT Madras, He moved to the United States and graduated from Yale University in 2005. Sundaram earned a master's degree in mathematics as an undergraduate at Yale, and he turned down a job as a mathematician at Goldman Sachs and began to write and reporting as a stringer for the New York Times. He taught journalism in 2016 at Brockwood Park, a school founded by Krishnamurti. In 2018, he obtained a PhD in journalism from the Anglia. Uh, welcome to our show, uh, Anjan. Uh, it's great to have you, and you have uh, achieved uh, great accomplishments that uh, you know few people can accomplish in a lifetime. 
Thank you for having me here. Thank you for the extensive introduction. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, and I'm looking forward to being in uh, Houston next week at yes. the Jaipur Literary Festival. Yeah, Anjan is going to be in the Jaipur Literary Festival, which is uh, coming up September fifteenth uh, through seventeenth. Yes, in 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 five different venues in in Houston, and you, he's going to be on two panels. Uh, discussing his books and and other things. So I'm guessing uh, that's going to be at the Asia Society, correct? Well, I I don't know, but uh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. One uh, of the, at least one of the events is at the Asia Society. Right, right. So, uh, Anjan, when I called you just yesterday, I was kind of in a panic because I I had a number that was an Indian number, and then I I didn't know where you were. I didn't want to wake you up at four in the morning. But it turns out you're in Mexico City. Are you there on assignment of some sort? Yes, so I'm now reporting, so after my three books, uh, which you just mentioned, I'm reporting now on environmental defenders, uh, in mostly in indigenous communities in Mexico. So these are very brave people who are defending forests, mountains, rivers, from companies, the government's organized crime. Uh, as natural resources become more and more precious, uh, there's uh, less of it available uh, for industrial development, economic development. And Mexico happens to be the deadliest country in the world for these land defenders. It's also the deadliest country in the world for journalists. Yes, I was just going to say, you're in dangerous territory. Yes, people are scared yeah. to go so, to Mexico City these days. Uh, well, Mexico City is itself fun, is okay. Uh, actually, but these places that I travel to, they're really on the front lines of the environmental, a global environmental war. And uh, the people fighting to protect our environment on the front lines of this war, they don't receive enough... Uh, media attention and enough credit, even though they're protecting mountains, rivers, and forests on behalf of us all. And so my work here is trying to raise their profile, trying to document the important battles that they're fighting, So and, are, are uh, you, the many who've lost their lives. Are you, are you writing for a particular uh, journal or paper? So I, I'm writing pieces for magazines, the usual suspects, the usual... Oh, I see, okay. For the New York Times, the New York Review of Books, the yeah. uh, Granta Magazine. These are, I, I write freelance, and eventually I'll write a book. Uh, Where are you based, uh, Anjan? Uh, what is I'm, home? I'm, Where is right home? Right now, while I do this work, I'm in Mexico City, and I'm traveling around. But, right. uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, so, uh, I, I tend to be quite nomadic. So oh, okay, uh, okay. So there's no <laughs> place <laughs> which you can call home, really. Okay. Usted habla español. Uh, would be my mom's mom's place in uh, Bangalore. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. So yeah. you, you, uh, you're comfortable in Spanish dealing with the over there? Yes, yes. I speak French already from my work in Central Africa. And uh, learning Spanish is not that complicated once you know a couple of Latin uh, languages. You know, another Romance language. Right, right. right. English, uh, absolutely. You know? yeah. So um, now let's move on a little bit towards the festival. The festival is going to be held next weekend. And uh, what is your experience with the festival? You, have you? Uh, well, Jaipur, the Jaipur Literary Festival in Jaipur itself was the first place where my first book was launched. Ah. It was the first time I was on stage for my first book, Stringer. It was launched in India with Penguin Random House over there. My publisher was Chiki Sakar and William Dalrymple and uh, Namita and the others and Sanjoy had kindly invited me when I was a debut author, completely unknown in the literary world. Mm. And so it has a special place uh, and special meaning for me. Uh, I'm now coming back for my third book, uh, Breakup. And uh, yeah, I'm delighted to be back and thrilled to meet William and, uh, you know, Manita and Sanjay and everyone else who's organized this very important gathering of, you know, intellectuals, writers, uh, publishers. Uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's become, I think the Jaipur Literary Festival has become 
one of the premier or if not the premier kind of ga- gathering of uh, writers and uh, people you know uh, in in the trade of ideas correct and they've been in Houston now i think four or five times right pramod yes and and each time they feature of course different people i think uh, during covid they had it online online yes right. i remember yeah, right, right, yeah right but it's it's quite uh, quite an event you get to rub shoulders with a lot of very well read and well <laughs> well written people yes and um, <laughs> so uh, are you looking forward to it this year absolutely i think uh, what you mentioned is exactly the draw of being there it's just the event draws so many interesting and accomplished people uh whom you would otherwise you know not meet writers tend to live all across the world mm-hmm. you know uh, and it's hard to get uh, get to meet everybody and uh even if they're in touch on email and you know on panels and online panels it's just great to be able to sit and have a meal with uh all these incredible people and yeah. exchange ideas and maybe sometimes uh see the new project or develop uh, a new idea uh, yeah. that's that's the uh, that's the the hope and the ambition and the the excitement of the event. Right. Anjan, uh, what's your per- participation at JLF? Uh, are you on panels or are you going to be speaking about your most recent book? Yes, so I'm speaking on two panels. Uh, I'm speaking about uh, how literature, how war has affected literature. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So about war correspondence and books about war, focusing on the Ukraine war. I'll, I'll be speaking about it, obviously, from the perspective of Central Africa, where I've mostly worked and covered wars. And uh, the Wagner Group, Russia's Wagner, the Wagner Group, which mm. is quite active in uh, Central Africa. You're talking and, about uh, Cong- you're talking about Congo, panel. Congo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, Congo, Rwanda, and the Central African Republic. The whole that whole you know, yes. region of Central Africa has right. been my specialty as an author. And the second panel will be uh, focused on my new memoir, "Break Up a Marriage in Wartime," which. That's uh, a catchy, catchy title. Catchy title. So, Anja, do you <laughs> know the timings of your uh, panels? Uh, uh, hold on, hold oh. on, guys. I, we, I just realized we got another commercial break. <laughs> and I'm we'll getting, be right back. Stay tuned. Uh, Anja, don't leave. Please. I have a Pavlovian, Pavlovian response to commercials. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. We're going to have to put you on hold for just a few seconds. So don't go away. Yeah? No worries. सुने हाथों को कितना सुंदर कर गई देखो मेरी उंगलियां कैसे सवर गई मुझे आज तक जो कोई कैद नहीं कर सका वो काम ये हीरे की अंगूठी कर गई लेट द लव शाइन फॉरएवर डायमंड एंगेजमेंट रिंग्स बाय महाराजा ज्वेलर्स 5821 हिलक्राफ्ट 7137845673 महाराजा ब्रिंगिंग डायमंड्स टू लाइफ Crime, politics, finances, climate change. Ah, sometimes it gets to be a bit too much. At Indo-American News Unplugged, we bring voice to your feelings. Call in to talk, share, or disagree with Sanchali and Jawahar. And listen to Jyoti playing songs based on Indian classical music with Pramod and Sudhir. So call Indo-American News Unplugged. Kick back and listen up, folks. It'll make you feel better. Every Saturday, listen to Masala Radio, 3 to 6 p.m. Indo-American News.
Well, we're back. We had our commercial break, and thank God I didn't break out into hives. <laughs> so Once, I, we are uh, talking to Anjan. So you'd asked about the two panels. So I, I do have the titles. Oh, good. Yeah. So just a panels. second, Anjan. Let me just remind the folks what we are doing. Uh, so we are talking to Anjan Sundram. He's an award-winning author, journalist, and television presenter. And he will be here uh, for the Jaipur Literary Festival next weekend. So, yes, go ahead, Anjan. Tell us what, what and, time is. And one more plug for the festival. You, if you love what you're hearing from Anjan, and he really sounds very interesting, you must admit, there are lots of other good personalities who are going to be coming to the Jaipur Literary Festival. And we really, really uh, encourage you to go there because you will run into Pramod, you'll run into Sanchali but you won't run into me because yeah. I'm going to be out of town. There'll be Chitra Devakaruni, Parini Shroff, Salil Tripathi, Priyamvada Natarajan, filmmaker Meera Nair, so and of course Anjan Sundaram, who we are talking to right now. So Anjan, tell us the timings of your uh, two different panels that you'll be on. Sure. So I'm on two panels. The first one is on September 15th, on the Friday, at the University of Houston. It's mm -hmm. called Ukraine, The Cost of War. And the second panel I'm on is on September 16th, the Saturday. Uh, it's called The Personal and the Political. That's at the Asia Society, mm -hmm. uh, Texas Center. And uh, I'm in conversation with Salil Tripathi. In, in, you know. okay, the yeah. times of both those events uh, are not on the poster, actually, so maybe they're still fine. Yeah, but if we go to the are. Jaipur Literary Festival website or the Asia Society website, I'm sure we'll get all the information. So exactly. thank you. So thank they're you. both on Friday and Saturday. I'm on two different uh, panels and uh, excited to see the Houston community and especially the uh, the Indian American community and and of course uh, all the books that from these writers are going to be available for purchase. Purchase, yeah, and they'll be autographed by them. <laughs> and Sanjali is looking forward to that. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> of course, happy to all. <laughs> so Anjan, this uh, uh, to to go on with the with what we were talking about here. You are, you're, you were talking about how much you enjoyed the festival and how this festival was one of the, the turning points in your career as a writer. Uh, do you think it's always that successful for a lot of writers who are trying to make it out? Um, I don't know. I can't speak for other writers, but I, I, I do think it's a unique gathering in that uh, uh, the literary world, actually, to break in can be quite uh, daunting and quite difficult. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I was and, going uh, to like, go ahead. Sorry? No, that's what I was <laughs> going to ask you. That from IIT to Yale, and then you were at Goldman Sachs, and then, or rather, you were, you turned down a job over turned there. The job. And what made yeah. you got into writing? Well, uh, it's a it's a story of my first book, Stringer: a Reporter's Journey in the Congo. Okay. But uh, the the short story was that one day at Yale, I was uh, in the lunchroom and I saw open the New York Times in the middle of the newspaper. At the bottom of the page, there was this little article about Congo and the war in the Congo and how four million people at the time had died there. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand why that wasn't on the front page. Mm. And I was, I was a mathematician. I was studying to be, you know, be a mathematics professor. Then I had this job at Goldman to be a quant there, to be a mathematician at Goldman. And uh, really, this, this story and you know, this, you know, the, the war in the Congo kind of captivated me, and I dropped everything to buy a one-way ticket to Kinshasa. I'd never written a journalistic story in my life. And I showed up in Kinshasa, the capital of Congo, and uh, started to learn how to, you know, be a be a journalist with the conviction that, you know, the news from this war should be better known and should 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 receive greater attention. And so that's been kind of the theme of my 
writing and my reporting all through my career over the last. So, few so you you enjoy being in dangerous spaces. I enjoy being yes. Often I enjoy being in places where important things are happening, uh, where there isn't that much press coverage, and those tend have tended to be dangerous places either because there's a war or the dictatorship. Uh, and there's repression. So yeah, they and they don't the and they don't take kindly to journalists as it is. They don't want to expose themselves. So yeah, it's, it's hard, it's, uh, and that's what makes the work meaningful and valuable to be in those places. Right, right. So a very exciting kind of uh, yeah. And Anjan, uh, as a reporter, um, are you trying very hard to be a bystander rather than turn into an activist? Um, you end up in this kind of work, you end up, that's a very interesting question, because you end up kind of doing both. Uh, mm -hmm. You end up, uh, because you're, you're trying to report on stories that aren't told, right. you are trying to change the course of the war by bringing a, a, a level of justice, a level of media attention, and a level of justice to often war crimes or crimes of dictatorship and repression. And so you're, I would say you kind of straddle both those hats. You kind of wear both those hats. You, you uh, are a journalist and you're also you're an observer, but you're also act, uh, an activist for justice and peace and, you know, for less violence. Well, you know, one of the nice things that we're doing right now is we're having this intimate kind of conversation with Anjan and, and talking about his experiences and his, the process that he's gone through, his, his, the, the voyage, the journey he's taken. So, folks, I, I, I have to uh, I have to emphasize because the Jaipur Literary Festival is coming to town. This will be here next Saturday, next weekend. And if you enjoy what you're hearing right now, just think about this. You're going to be in intimate uh, uh, quarters with a lot of writers, a lot of other people. And you'll be able to rub shoulders. And if you like Sanchali, you'll get an autograph too. <laughs> <laughs> and but but they're really nice venues. I mean, at the University of Houston, the, the Asia Society, Rothko Chapel, uh, the Eternal Gandhi Museum. Did I leave one thing out? Uh, the let's they'll see. Be, yeah, they'll be screening a movie. Right. Ba Bapu imprint. I, I, I left out imprint. So uh, imprint is one of the organizers. Well, they, they, that's also where yeah. one of the venues. Oh, Houston okay. Based. All right. Okay. So uh, this is uh, this. Uh, I'm certainly sad that I'm going to be missing this event, but I I know that a, lo a lot of other people should enjoy themselves being there. The tickets are very affordable. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, Anjan, um, you're uh, uh, probably be going to the uh, Eternal Gandhi Museum, and you know, uh, quite probably that. Uh, Gandhi's uh, uh, Dandi Yatra, the Salt March, was reported mm -hmm. by the New York Times, and that's how it came to the attention of uh, President Roosevelt and then uh, eventually uh, Prime Minister Churchill. Hmm. Wow, well, that's very interesting that's a, yeah. history. Yes, I'm looking forward to getting to know Houston better. I've only passed through in the, uh, on previous trips. But and, uh, you, you know, spent a night or a day. Well, you when you when you come here and you know, you be sure to look us up, and we'll take you to a good Tex-Mex place. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's eating Mexican food every yeah. day. Come no, on, no. Tex-Mex is different. Tex-Mex is different. Tex-Mex is different, and we know one of the best restaurants in town. Yeah, and yeah. then there are lots of uh, Indian restaurants here. 
that you'll enjoy. All depends on what Anjan likes to eat, right? <laughs> well, Anjan, he's yeah. he's probably under deprivation. I'm definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Anjan, just before I let you go, one you say that you're going into and you're doing a lot of research, and you like a little detective who's going out there to connect all the pieces. And most people don't like detectives. Have you encountered any hassle while you're there in Mexico? Yeah, plus, plus how dangerous is it time. over there? You know, is it well, yeah, really dangerous? It's incredibly dangerous, right? Mm. It's an incredibly dangerous uh, line of line of investigation. Um, but I've been doing this now for you know 18 years, and so I, I one always has to be careful and always has to be humble. But I would say that you know I've encountered a few situations, so I know kind of roughly how to stay safe and how to keep the people I'm working with and people I'm writing about how to keep them safe and um, still try to do work. So I focus on elevating and raising the profiles of the inspiring and courageous people that I'm meeting rather than um, necessarily going after the bad guys so, uh, because you really don't want to uh, get under their skin. Right, right. And you've been there already a year, you said. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, there are ways, there, there are ways of reporting and writing and traveling uh, where you keep a low profile and you can still do valuable work and mm. help people, mm-hmm. which is what journalism is about, and yeah. uh, um, while, while not exposing yourself too much. Yeah, do, you, do you have a team? Journalists say you never want to become the story. Right, absolutely. Right. That's, the whole, that's the whole situation. You've got to have friends in the right places. Do you have a team with you, <laughs> or you just do it all alone? Well, I, I usually report with a, a, a local reporting or journalist partner. And so it's usually me and one other person. But in uh, and so, but many times I work alone as well. It depends on my comfort with uh, the terrain. And in, in, the, in the case of Mexico, it's really helped to partner with a local reporter who has uh, local connections. And I help uh, publish our work uh, internationally. And so together we we make a good team. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the insight. And we wish, really wish you a lot of luck and stay safe because. Uh, we want to listen to you when you come over here. We will want to learn more about what you found out in Mexico. And good luck Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. Looking forward to sharing uh, my journeys and stories with everyone in Houston. Right. And when you, come over, when you come over here, if, if Sanchali doesn't give you enough hell, just you know, try to get an autograph book for me there. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. I look forward to the Tex-Mex and Indian food. All right, All right. Anjan. Thank you well, so much. We're looking forward as well. Folks, we've been talking to Thank Anjan Swadharama. Thank you. And who's been calling in from Mexico City, and he'll be here next weekend, so at the Jaipur Literary Festival. Anjan, thank you so much once again. Thanks for having me. All thank right. You. Take, Take care. Take care and good luck. Good luck. All right, so we're now down to the last eight minutes of our program, which really went fast. It was like being on a railway station, exactly. catching one train going one direction, <laughs> going the other direction. Rush, 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 but rush. I'm glad uh, we covered a theme uh, of uh, pets in the uh, introductory part, and then we also talked to uh, Anjan Sundaram, the wartime correspondent. Right. So it was quite an eventful and, uh, show. and before we go, we got to make two announcements. One is for the Tagore Center Foundation, and one. I, and 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 I just wanted to mention that I'm so proud that the Houston Chronicle on Friday, September the eighth, which was yesterday, mm-hmm. published a front front page story on uh, Krishna Krishna Janmashtami at uh, ISKCON, and it's uh, it's t- takes up the center of the page, and then it goes on to page two. It's it's really nice and refreshing. It's uh, little kids dressed up as Krishna and gopis. 
Oh, that's neat. Yeah, I got yeah. to meet our Indian um, correspondent at the Houston Chronicle. Her name is Juhi, very friendly, and she's been covering quite a few events for us. And the Indian community is continuously, you know, no, that's trying great. to stay in touch with her. And well, know. actually, they, are, they used to have Lindsay. Lindsay was on our program before, mm -hmm. Liz, Lindsay Payton. Yes. yes. But she is no longer w working with the Chronicle. So they do just a new, uh, she's recently added on to the Chronicle. Yeah, she's very sweet and she says she keeps getting bombarded <laughs> with yeah. requests to cover So you want to bombard us with the Tagore Society? Absolutely. Tagore Center Foundation, I mean? Yes, yes, yes. So the Tagore Center Foundation is uh, going to present another program it's a high tea with dr sumit ganguli and the topic is the mystical journey of rabindranath tagore it's going to be on saturday the 7th of october at 3 p.m at the tagore center foundation location which is at 3850 ashburnham drive and for further information please contact ruma her number is 713-501-6300 or mark at 713-208-4346 and Sumi, it, it's a scrumptious tea featuring both Indian and English foods and beverages. And um, there'll also be an introduction to the Tagore Center work. And Sumit Ganguly, who's a distinguished professor of political science and holds the Tagore Chair in Indian Cultures and Civilizations at India, Indiana University, Bloomington, will be the main uh, speaker. So looking forward to it, folks, if you all can join. You can also get found, uh, information on their website, Tagore Center Foundation website. That's very nice. And that, by the way, the foundation, the center is located just south of uh, Richmond and e west of Derry Ashford. Yeah. On the, on the southwest side of town, and the west side of town. more than likely, I'll be moderating the panel discussion at the end. And we will be walking out on you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the vote of confidence. <laughs> Promote you when in Singapore. You know, they have a really great sing uh, cricket club in the middle of Singapore. Uh, yes, and I also visited... On Serangoon Road. Uh, Little India, mm -hmm. and we went to an Indian restaurant, MTR. You know, they're known for uh, their mm. spices. They also, but known they also for have a restaurant there. What, yeah. what did you eat? Uh, masala dosa. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds South Indian, okay. Yeah, well, there are a lot is. of South MTR Indians in Singapore. Indian was it good? Yeah, it was, uh, it was great. But it didn't have any ambience. Uh, in Houston, we have better restaurants and uh, better-looking restaurants also. What's your favorite dosa place here, Pramod? Uh, probably uh, Balaji. Balaji Bhavan. Yeah. Did it's Balaji pay us to say this? It's no. spicy. <laughs> it's spicy. <laughs> we'll have to go collect some. <laughs> we'll have to get some uh, some, uh, some dosas from there. I have to yeah. call up Ramesh Ji. Yeah, that's right. Right. We haven't heard from him in a while. Hmm, I hope he's doing okay. Yeah, no, he is. He is. He's very involved. So, uh, and uh, Jyoti, we haven't heard from you we about have. your trip. Oh, my trip? It was wonderful. Which one do you want me to No, the wonderful <laughs> is, is not a, an no. all-encompassing kind <laughs> of description. <laughs> I had really great time. Um, what was your favorite of all the places that you visited? There were two things we did. Um, one was it was my birthday. When? On 31st of August. Oh. And uh, the, the, the best part was we went to see Angkor Wat uh, sunrise. On the 31st. Oh. Uh -huh. And right behind, you know, you could see the sunrise and you turned around and at the back was blue moon setting. Oh, oh wow. my God. That was probably the most ethereal feeling I have had in did a you long get a time, nice especially wide for my birthday. Did I you get a nice video? Yes, yes, yes the we whole did. Thing. did. 
Very nice, That's very beautiful. nice. Beautiful. That was were one of the best moments. I and think. did you afterwards go to the night market? I uh, we tried because it kept pouring. It oh. was raining quite a bit. Mm. But you know, every the museum was great in Angkor Wat. Then all the ho- the hotel lobby itself was so impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's so much work on all that you know they they have, uh, like artwork that they do yeah. wood on on you went to a few new places this time so which out of those which ones uncle what you'd been before right no this no, is this was the first, first time, time. Okay. and so was hanoi but yeah. you, you didn't go to nam pen no no okay no we did not In Phnom Penh, they have a very nice Russian market, and mm. you can find everything that's Russian over there. Oh, okay. Yeah, the food was a little uh, for me. Uh, see, I'm a, a vegetarian, vegetarian. Mm. <laughs> so Not for me it was options. a little right. One, yeah, one so of the I things I remember <laughs> from my trip to uh, to Phnom Penh and Siam Reap was lotus nuts. You know, mm-hmm. lotus root nuts. Right. They, they eat them on the side of the street, like like peanuts. The, It's really I great. Roasted. Yeah. Not roasted. They. Kacha. Raw. Yeah. Raw, right. Uh-huh. And the other th- pro- thing was uh, like the the flora and fauna. It was just so lush. Mm-hmm. And everywhere you go, it's uh, as long as you're under the tree, you're fine. Well, you you do pro- sweat a lot. It was quite hot. But but I, uh, we also went to Singapore and the botanical gardens and oh, the yes. orchids were just heavenly. Lovely yeah, orchids. I'm into uh, orchids and I just really mm-hmm. love absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. Time of your life. All yeah. right. And we also had our 49th anniversary. Oh, I wow. knew it. I knew it. <laughs> so so many celebrations. Yeah, we had That's August wonderful. is a very big month. So glad us. that you all yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, all refreshed and now back then i saw some friends at the wedding and then i saw my nephew and his children in singapore so it was really nice uh, nice to see the family life you know you go as a tourist it's a little different but when you go to a city and stay with the family it's different yes yeah, singapore is no different than a lot of other amazingly packed cities urban yeah. city but uh, again uh, the uh, the flora and fauna is amazing no, they try to do so much with it i mean no, town planning i meant vertical living and right. yeah. 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 Yes. Yes. small yes. apartments totally so. vertical living small apartments and what's apartment. interesting is they have a great social life uh, yes they do you know between the floors they get together quite often <laughs> it's like a little village right it's fun like how come yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. you know exactly. where children were somebody would come knock right. on your door and say kya so the children would come like we were going for soccer practice and somebody some other child shows up and we take them also it was fun folks we are almost out of time thank so you for the reminiscing jyoti thank you and yeah. we look forward to having you here next week no next saturday next, next saturday oh, okay okay All right. So, folks, we'll be back next week with another edition of Indo-American News. Uh, it's cooling down a little, so. And we'll be out of here, guys. Adios. Take Chill, care and everyone. enjoy the weekend. Yeah. Drink and unwind. Bob's Lounge and Grill. A fusion of modern lounge dining with traditional cuisines of India. Coastal Goan Mughalai Indo-Chinese. At Bob's, everyone gets a warm welcome. Kitchen open 5 p.m. to 2 a.m. Closed Tuesdays. 6401 Hillcroft near 59 281 974 4910